All right, everyone, so please open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, tonight, talking about protect your mind. Protect your mind. And uh, I spoke on this uh, on Sunday night. It's going to be a little bit different tonight. Sunday night was geared more toward uh, parents, more toward the adults, more toward um, those that are um, in charge. And, and tonight's way going to be way more toward you um, and, and about protecting your mind and, and how important that is in our uh, day and time. Um, the message is going to be a little bit different than what you're used to. Uh, we're going to go over these, these scriptures um, and then we're going to kind of dive more into some dialogue after we go over these four, uh, four verses. So in, in Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to read verses 20 through 23. Um, it says this, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So everything that we talk about tonight is going to be based under the umbrella of these verses. Okay? So I'm going to go over what these verses mean, and then we're going to get into more of what I want to talk about. Um, Proverbs 4, 20 uh, through 21, those verses, they literally mean this. It means, my child, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to what I say. And then in verse 21, it says, let, not, let them not escape your sight. So in, in, in this Context: The eye means the mental or spiritual uh, facilities. So it's more than just in my sight. It's talking about in your mind. So it, 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 essentially it says, don't ever forget my words. Keep them always in mind or guard them in your heart. That, that what I have to say, and it says my child, because he's like, listen, I care about you. I love you. And what I'm about to tell you is so very, very, very important. Pay close attention. Don't ever forget my words. And whenever you, you think about the word of God, you have, to, you have to see what the word of God says about itself. So in Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the entire Bible, it's all about the word of God. The entire thing. And whenever someone spends a lot of time on something, that to me says, that's important. That's something I need to pay attention to. And so in Psalm 119, 11, it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That word hidden, it means to be treasured or stored up. And so when you think about the word of God, are, 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 are we treasuring the word? Are we storing it up? Are, are we so engrossed in the word of God that, that, that we have it treasured and stored up that in order so that we don't sin against God? See, whatever we treasure is what we commit to memory, right? What we, what we care about the most, we're going to memorize, right? We're gonna, it's going to be on our mind. We're going to think about it. We don't even have to like try to think, oh, what does that say? Our favorite song, right? You have a favorite song or, or, or a favorite movie, and you can quote the whole song or the whole movie. Why? Because it's important to you. And here it says, your word I have hidden, I have treasured, I have stored up in my heart. Verse 22 there, it says, 
uh, for they are life to those who find them. It literally means they are the key to life for those who find them. They bring health to the whole body. The word health there means a cure or profit. So that if, you have, if you have a cure to something, that means that there's a problem, right? And the word is the cure to the problem in your life. And it's a profit means it brings gain, it brings wealth, it, 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 it promotes growth. That's what it is. That's what the word does. And so when we go back to Psalm 119, 103, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That the word of God, no matter what you read in there, it is sweet, it is, it, it is it's beneficial, and it, it's, it's, you can't get enough of it. One night, uh, Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Otherwise, in other words, it guides my ways. So in verse 11 of 119, it says, I, I've got your word treasured and stored in my heart. In verse 105, it says, Your word is a guide, meaning I, this is my application of your word to my life. Knowledge with that application is useless. And I'll get to more of that in a second. Uh, Psalm 119, 162, I rejoice in your word as one who finds great treasure. In order to, in order to even get to that point about finding treasure, you got to dig, right? You dig to find treasure. That means there's something to do. That means that I'm digging in the word of God. I, 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 I'm reading and I'm looking at it and, and I just can't get enough of it. And when I, when, when I find a nugget, when something just, just makes sense to me, I rejoice in that. Oh, this means this. Means this. That's awesome. Let me tell someone about it. I can't wait to tell Bailey about that the next time I see her. Right? And verse 23. Keep your heart with vigilance. Or in, other, in other words, above all that you guard, protect your heart. Protect your heart. So you say, why is, the, why is the title protect your mind then? Because the word heart means inner man, mind, or understanding. In other words, mind, knowledge, thinking, reflection, memory. That's what, it, that's what the word heart there means. In other words, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. For from it flow the spring of life or the source of living or life flows from it. So be careful what you think because that runs your life. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, meaning mind, the mouth speaks. In other words, what you put in your minds becomes the lenses in which we see reality and the world around us. I'm going to say that again because it's kind of big words, right? What we put in our minds becomes the lenses in which we see reality and the world around us. So what do you mean? Okay, so if you're constantly putting politics in your mind, then you view everything through the lenses of politics. That's what that means. If you're constantly putting BLM in your mind, then you're going to see everything through the lenses of BLM. Whatever it is, that becomes your worldview. You've heard me say that term before, right? What you put in your mind, now you see through your, your lenses, becomes your worldview. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we should live with a biblical worldview. Not an opinion worldview, not a traditional worldview, not a politically correct worldview, a biblical worldview. Remember what I just said, your thoughts run your life, right? And if your thoughts run your life, 
Therefore, we need to fill our minds with the Bible and apply it to our lives. A second ago, I said that knowledge without application is useless, and knowledge with application is wisdom. That's what wisdom is. It's not just knowing more. It's knowing more and applying it and doing it. And when you do that, it helps promote and create our biblical worldview. Seeing things through the lenses of Scripture and reacting to situation as the Bible tells us to. Reacting the way the Bible tells us to. Not as culture dictates. Not as our feelings dictate. Not as our traditions dictate. But what does the Bible say? And that is how I will view and live in this world. So with that in mind, with those verses in mind, we're going to get into the meat of what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, a couple of Sunday, uh, a couple of, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday morning before, Brother Gary preached about passion. What are you passionate about? What is the passion in your life? Are you passionate about the gospel, right? And I can tell you this, me, as well as Miss Tanya, as well as Mr. Scott, as well as Pastor Gary, we are passionate about you. We are passionate about you students. Number one, that you discover the gospel and then you get saved. That's number one. That's our first passion, is that each and every one of you learns what the gospel is and gets saved. Number two, is that you uh, grow closer to Jesus, that you mature, that you develop, watching you learn. And another thing we're passionate about is protecting you as much as we can. You know, like why do I get up every Wednesday night, no matter if there's two or 20, and yell, right, passionately at you until I don't have a voice and I'm exhausted? Why do I do that? For my own gain? Because it makes me feel good? No. You know why I do it? Because I'm passionate about you and I'm passionate about the word of God and there is something in, there's a major battle for your attention, and the other team is winning. And I don't think that we're doing enough to protect you from the other team right now. There is a growing monster that is consuming your minds and your hearts. And when I say I, you need to protect your mind, listen, we talk about this all the time. We talk about school, we talk about public education, we talk about how uh, evolution is a joke, we talk about how that, that's not, number one, it's not even. Uh, it's not reality. It's a theory. They teach it as fact, but it's a theory. You know, a couple of years ago, we even had a whole Bible study about how to defend your faith. And remember when, when uh, God's Not Dead came out? We had a whole study about how to defend your faith and why evolution isn't real. You know, we, we talk about uh, TV and movies all the time. I get up here and I tell you about how it's anti-God, anti-family, um, sexual uh, perversities. I talk about it all the time. But I think we're missing the most obvious assault on you. And some of you are going to roll your eyes and some of you are going to whatever, but it's social media. Social media is winning and it's the golden calf that our society idolizes. All platforms, doesn't matter which one you want. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Reddit, YouTube, Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, and there's more and more and more, which I don't even know about, right? But the, whatever it is, it is an on, it's an assault on your minds and your hearts. 
And information goes so fast, y'all. It used to not be this way. But information spreads so quickly, whether it's true or false. In fact, fake news spreads six times faster than real news, just so you know. And each social media site is engineered to create mindless drones that spend all their time on that site. It's going to send you a, a notification. Hey, uh, you might like this. Watch this. Hey, so-and-so just, just commented on something that you have nothing to do with, but don't you want to read it? Right? That's the whole goal. And there is little to no regulation to protect you from becoming an addict. The euphoria of getting a like and gaining followers. There's this false sense of acceptance and popularity. And then there's the dejection of not having enough likes or people being so rude and nasty. Cyberbullying, right? We've all been a part of that. And people are really brave behind the keyboard, aren't they? They say some nasty stuff they would never say to your face. Tell people to go kill themselves because they're overweight. Right? Or because their viewpoints don't coincide with their viewpoint. So they say, go kill yourself. Hashtag suicide. Like, you've seen it, right? Am I making it up? Am I? Tell me, am I? And, and this, this rudeness is moving into the real life, y'all. Like, I work in retail. I see it. People are nasty and rude more than ever before. Someone actually told Ms. Raquel on the phone, I hope you expletive die because she couldn't help them with something. You don't know her. But going back to the addiction, depression and anxiety has had a gigantic increase in American teenagers that started between 2011 and 2013. And I've talked to and seen students in this group, in this church, deal with that with great families that know the Bible, that their parents are still together and they still have this depression and anxiety that they just can't explain and that they just can't talk about. And I believe the commonality is social media. I truly believe that. You have to post this perfect picture and present this perfect persona to all these fake friends about this fake life and yet... There is no genuineness. You're not being real. You have no outlet to be genuine with someone. Because if you were, they would pounce on you like a lion on a three-legged wildebeest. I don't know, something. I don't know, something. Pumbaa is going to die because he has three legs, right? Gazelle, there's a good one. I couldn't think. I'm, I'm just, I'm so focused, all right? Listen, the number of teenagers being admitted to hospitals after cutting themselves or other types of self-harm is, is through the roof. Girls 15 to 19, there has been a 62% increase since 2009. 62% from 500,000 to close to 700,000 from girls 15 to 19 for uh, hurting, self-harm, cutting. Pre-teens, y'all, 10 to 14, there's been an increase of 189% since 2009. From 100,000 to over 400,000. 
Suicide rates in the U.S. for teenage girls ages 15 to 19 is up 70% since 2009. 35 million to over 60 million. Pre-teens, girls 10 to 14 has risen 151% since 2009. 5 million to over 20 million. You might say, well, why do you keep saying 2009? Why does that matter? Because that is when social media became available on mobile devices. And most healthcare professionals believe that there is, that it coincides. There's a reason. Professor Jonathan Haidt said, cyberbullying is partly behind the rise, along with young people desperate for approval on the addiction platforms. He goes on to say that Gen Z, which is kids born after 1996, so everyone in here, um, those kids are the first generations in history that got on social media in middle school. And in relation to children hurting themselves, he says, and remember, for every one of these, for every hospital admission, there's a family that is traumatized and horrified, saying, my God, what is happening to our kids? Right? Tim Kendall, you might, you might not have heard that name before, but Tim Kendall, he's the president, he was the former president of Pinterest, and he was the director of monetization monetization at Facebook. So how they're going to make money, right? He was the director of making money for this social media giant Facebook. He said on a uh, documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma, which you all need to go watch. I know you don't like documentaries, but you need to watch this. He says this, it's plain as day to me. These services are killing people and causing people to kill themselves. And he's one of the people who made it. Protecting our minds, guarding our hearts, should be incredibly important to us right now. And we're all at risk. It's not just y'all. It's not just y'all, okay? We're at risk too. Because these social media platforms have created these algorithms, and they control everything that you see, they twist your perception of reality, and they use us as lab rats for social experiments and marketing purposes. It's written in. You don't see it. But everything you do online is tracked. Just so you know, there is no, like, private, okay? You can click that all you want. But everything you do is tracked, and it's used against you on these sites. So social media, Google, right? They control us like marionettes. You know what marionettes are? Those little puppets on strings, right? They're controlling us. And part of the reason that we have such tension and political division is because of this. Like one side, regardless of what side you are on, regardless, one side is only seeing one side because it shows up on their feed over and over again. Watch this video. Click this link. Read this person. Over and over, they're given suggestions to watch, to read, and they only see one content, so they grow apathetic and hardened to the other side, and now they're polarized and zealous without all the information. And Christians are falling into these traps at an alarming rate on both sides of the aisle. Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. They're falling into this trap. Why? Because they've turned to their phones and influencers for guidance instead of the word of God. 
It's, I say that and it sounds simple, but it's very difficult. I get it. I get it. You heard me say influencers, right? You all know what an influencer is. I don't have to explain. I had to explain it to the adults on Sunday night, just so you know. I know you all know what it is, so I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to say is influence. There's a couple of definitions of influence I looked up, and I wanted to share these with you, okay? Number one, to affect or alter by indirect or intangible means. Number two, to have an effect on the condition or development of. And number three, the capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, or behavior of someone or something. That's a big responsibility, isn't it? When you think about what the word influence means, that they can directly affect how you, your character, how you develop as a person, your behavior. And you are allowing a complete stranger to affect you and alter your development. That's what an influencer, someone who doesn't care about you. They don't care about you. They don't have your best interest at heart. You know what their best interest at heart is? Theirs. They want their best interest and their self-promotion and their selfish desires and you are being used for their gain. That's what an influencer is doing. They're sucking you in, getting as many followers as they can. Why? Because the more followers, the more subscribers, they get paid, right? It's not to help you. They don't care about you. Is that who you want to influence you? Is that who you want to influence you? Someone, you know who you should have influence you? Someone who does have your best interests at heart. Someone who loves you, genuinely loves you. Someone who knows you. They should be the ones who influence you. Here's some examples. Your parents. Your parents. Your family. They love you. Sometimes we don't show it really well, and I'm sorry. On behalf of parents, sometimes we have a bad day. All right? But listen... Every parent I know that loves their children believes what Proverbs 22 says that says, train up a child in the way they should go. When they're older, they will not depart from it. That's why we sit up here and that's why we, we at home, we say, kids, we love you. We want what's best for you. And you might not see what we see, right? You, 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 you're not on this side of your age yet. So when we say, no, we don't want you to do something, it's not because we don't like you. It's not because we don't love you. We love you so much that we don't want you to do it. I promise. And so, some of you are like, I, I can't talk to, my, to my, my parents. They just don't get it. Well, aunt, uncle, cousin, someone, family, that should be an influencer. Number two, church leadership should be an influence on you. Philippians 4.9, Paul says that he, he's talking to the group at Philippi and he says, listen, what you've seen in me, what you've learned, what you've received, what you've heard, practice those things and the God of peace will be with you. Does that mean that we're always perfect examples? Well, no. All right. I know I'm not a perfect example. I know I've influenced some of you to get tattoos and I listen, all oh, that's kind of cool. Some people might not like that. All right. I get it. 
Your best interest is at my heart. I promise. That's why I get up here. That's why I yell. That's why I love you all. Because I want to be a good influence. Your Christian friends, and I say Christian friends, not I claim to be a Christian friend, but the ones who really are Christians. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. Right? Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks to the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm or be destroyed. In other words, who's on your squad? Right? Who's on your team? Who's influencing you? And finally, the Word of God. Right? Jesus Christ. That should be an influence on your life. We say it all the time. I mean, I just read several verses in Psalm 119, right? Your word I have hidden in my heart. Your word is a a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. It's sweeter than honey. And and I love it like I would treasure. And then uh, Jesus said in, in John 8, he says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then a couple of chapters later, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God should be influencing you. Not someone who doesn't give a rip about who you are. Do you see the big deal yet? Do you? Do you see the big deal? I know some of you are, you, you might think, and listen, I don't know what you're thinking right now. But I hope that you're understanding this is coming from someone who genuinely loves you. And I hope that you're seeing how the devil has turned something as seemingly innocent as your phone and turned it into a divider, an influencer, and an idol. And y'all are at ground zero. Y'all are on the battle line. You're on the front lines. And there's only so much that we can do, right? There's only so much that I can say to you and plead with you. And there's only so much that, that Mr. Scott, that, that Miss Tanya, that, that Brother Gary, that, that Mr. Philip. There's only so much that we can say and we can preach and we can teach and we can beg. But at some point you have to make the decision, hey, I'm not going to go in this route anymore. I'm going to do it this way. At some point, you have to say, and you have to encourage each other and hold each other accountable to say, put down your phone, quit listening to the influencers, and listen to Jesus. Turn turn off your phone and turn to the word of God and not your feed for guidance. And come to church with a Bible and, and, and participate, please. Participate. Don't just come. Participate. Participate in worship. Participate in the messages. Participate in Bible study and serving. There's so much to do, y'all. And at some point, you've got to put down your phone. And this is the point of tonight. Put down your phone. Pick up your Bible. Put down your phone. Pick up your Bible. Read the Word. Live the Word. Pray the Word. Apply the Word. And be influenced. Be influenced by people who genuinely love you and care about you. 
and want your best above all else. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for these students who are here tonight, God. I really do. I, and I am so thankful for them. And I hope that they understand how much I love them. And how the number one goal for them, first of all, is to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and I know that so many of them have. And I, and I was there when it happened. I saw it. I witnessed it. And it was a beautiful thing. And I still cherish those moments that I got to be there and, and, and watch them, baptize them. And, I, and God, I just, I see this assault on them. I see this assault on their minds and, their, and, and on their hearts. I see how it affects them. How it brings on this anxiety and this worry and the stress and, and so much that from just being addicted. It's an addiction. And I pray that you will help them to see that it's more than just somewhere to post pictures or like or comment or it, it's it's eating away at them. And it's distracting them from what's most important. And they're being influenced by people that claim to be experts but have no formal training. <laughs> that are really just out for their own benefit and they're not trying to help anyone. God, I just pray that these students will look to the people who should be influencing them, their, their, their parents, family, us in the church, our, their leadership, Christian friends, and most importantly, the Word of God. And I know we harp on that so much, Lord, and, and I know they're probably tired of hearing about it. But quite frankly, I'm tired of seeing them defeated. I'm tired of seeing them upset and, and worried and, and stressed and depressed. And so I'm going to fight as hard as I can for their souls. I'm going to fight as hard as, it, even if they get mad at me, even if they're sitting there right now just angry at me, I pray, Father, that you'll help them to see that this comes from a heart of love and concern. And as their youth pastor, that I want to lead them and guide them in a way that brings them closer to you. Jesus, we love you so much. And I just pray that we can apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.